0: to my very, very special podcast with Susan Weisberg. This is Ann Schein from Mid-Moms and More, and I've started this uh, podcast series, and I am very excited to have with me today uh, Susan Weisberg, the author of Chester, Mouse, which I'm holding in my hand as we speak. Um, and if you have not purchased this book, and we'll talk about her second book as well, uh, you need to get it. Uh, she even has a glossary at the end of the book with all the terms that you'll ever need to know as a USNA parent. So welcome, Susan. Uh, I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank
1: you, Annie. Thank you for inviting me. It's always exciting for me to talk about the midshipmen, the USNA experience, and my books, of course. I appreciate you
0: asking me to be here. Thank you, thank you so much for your time. Right off the bat, get started and with our first question. And just for those uh, parents or those in our audience who may not have read your book or who may not know who you are, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your connection to the Naval Academy.
1: Well, my connection to USNA is only through our two sons who graduated three years apart. I had really no prior introduction uh, to USNA. Um, my, parent, my father was uh, in the Navy in World War II, as was my husband's father, but uh, they served and uh, were part of that quiet, uh, great generation that didn't talk much about it. So uh, USNA Navy was not a part of our life at all. But I do have two graduates now, which is a story in itself. Um, they are both currently serving. Uh, Brian is a Naval Aviator and Top Gun graduate. Uh, He has two deployments under his belt in F-18 Super Hornet squadrons. And our youngest, Ben, is a Marine aviator training in Hawaii as a Huey helicopter pilot. That's So exciting, two
0: aviators.
1: Yes. And Top Gun. Yes, very exciting, very exciting. He came to us uh, in his junior year of high school. He threw us a curve, let's say. I'm actually going to tell you the story. We were coming home from a dentist appointment after school. And I said to him, you know, Brian, we have a three-day weekend coming up. It would be a good time to start looking at colleges. And do you have any place you might want to look? He surprised me by saying in his very deep voice, yes, mom, I do know where I want to look. I want to visit the United States Naval Academy. And this came as a complete shock because Brian Our methodical, steady as she goes, reliable second child had set his sights on going to medical school and becoming a doctor like his father, his grandfather, and two uncles before him. And just to toot his horn a little bit, we felt he had the grades, the extracurriculars, the abilities, and I just had thought it was a matter of finding the right undergraduate college to get him started. So when he said, yes, I do know where I wanna look, I want to visit the United States Naval Academy, I was stunned and I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever had a primal scream inside that you didn't want to let out but yeah. the word yes no echoed and echoed inside my heart and I thought where is this coming from all I thought of was war and my beloved son mm-hmm. and but I calmly said because I was the mother of teenagers Brian where is this coming from and he said Well, this summer I was talking to dad and I asked him how he knew he wanted to become a doctor. I asked how he knew it was for him. Dad said medicine could be a difficult field at the best of times, but painful if it wasn't your passion. He said, if it wasn't my passion, I wouldn't thrive. So I thought about it a long time and realized what my passion was. And so I said, what is it? What is your passion? And he said, my passion is to fly jets off of aircraft carriers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was driving, but I wanted to say, really, are you crazy? And I didn't, I didn't say any of those words. We went home that night. My husband came home from work. I pulled him aside and hissed in his ear and said, do you know what Brian wants to do? He wants to go to the Naval Academy. He wants to fly jets off of aircraft carriers. And in shock, he replied, what happened to becoming a doctor? I'll talk to him. <laughs> and I said, Oh, no, you have done enough talking already. But we, yeah, but we did go visit the Naval Academy. I was not on board. But from the moment we showed our IDs and stepped through the gates, we were sold. They had us at a firm handshake and a yes sir and a yes ma'am. And I thought to myself do places like this really exist.
0: Mm-hmm. We were
1: just awestruck at the dignity and the tradition, the honor, the morals, the emphasis on higher learning and higher conduct. And from that moment, we knew we were in some place very special. And that was the moment, well actually it had begun earlier for Brian when he had already made this decision unbeknownst to us. But for us, that was the moment when we started to see this epic journey begin for our son, Brian.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story. And I'm sure reminiscent to many parents hmm. that may not have had the Naval Academy in their um, uh, kind of on, on their focus or in their horizon. Right. Um, something similar happened with us. I uh, mean, my, my dad's a USNA grad and I spent a lot of summers, you know, tailing behind him, uh, going to the chapel and just visiting the campus, hearing the stories of his classmates. But when, um, when my son said he wanted to go that was a complete shocker mm-hmm. to us as well and my primal screen happened on college decision day when he had all his options in front of him and one of them was a full ride to UPenn pen and and so I'm thinking similar to you and I'm thinking you're giving up an ivy league educate and I'm thinking in my head no <laughs> but at the same time, I agree with you. The Naval Academy is so special. And the young men and women that we met when we visited are just outstanding. Um, and you don't see that. We visited lots of college campuses and we did not see the, the caliber of character or just personality, integrity, commitment of the midshipmen that we met, uh, met when we visited as well. So I, I can totally relate um, yes. to your story. Yeah. Right. You embark upon this USNA journey. Um, you survive I-Day, which I'm sure was not very easy, as it, it, it's not an easy thing for parents to go through. You dive into life with your plebe or midshipman uh, in Bancroft Hall. So what about this life in Bancroft Hall gave you the imp- inspiration to write this wonderful book, Chester Mouse?
1: both of our sons came home with over-the-top incredible stories of life as a midshipman at the Naval Academy. They came home speaking a new language, which you already mentioned. That's why I put a glossary in the back of the book. They were were saying things where I would have to ask them, well, what does that mean? What does that word mean? What is chopping? What's a chit? What on earth is a love chit and why? And uh, it was just... Consuming their life was consuming them and it was consuming us. And even it's, as you know, it started well before I Day. The whole selection process could be a story in itself. And we as a family ate, slept, and breathed that uh, story with our um, mids and actually watching them go through that, their drive and their single mindedness. uh, In particular, our first. To go through Brian because that was our first introduction to it. Watching him, this methodical quiet kid become a machine and and watching him research everything he needed to know and putting himself in the best position uh, to be accepted. He wanted early acceptance and it just was an overwhelming experience. and, And as a writer somewhere along the line, I realized that I was being spoon-fed this this epic journey that needed a place, a home. I didn't quite recognize yet that it was a book that I needed to write, but I knew. Um, I'm a lifelong journaler, and I suspect you are too, given the name of your book, but I have always... uh, just cataloged um, moments, pinned down uh, moments with words. And it's kind of a way to understand life and preserve moments. And so I'd already begun, well begun the journaling process of everything that was happening. So when they had, um, well, let's just say Brian for now uh, was coming home and sharing, or at least calling when he was allowed to, sharing his experiences. Um, I, I knew that this was an incredible world that we had been introduced to. And, you know, fiction, as far as the book is concerned, fiction is all about world building. And just look at JK Rowling, for instance, she created a fantastical world that is marvelously appealing to explore. And to us and to so many others, the US Naval Academy was that marvelous, intriguing, fantastical world It was a new, for us, unexplored world of of dignity. And as you said, what you do not see in other colleges, honor tradition, the duty and service, personal sacrifice, and truth be told, nail-biting anxiety. And, uh, you know, who could ask for a better setting for a story? So that is where the, uh, the foundation of the book began, that I had been given this epic journey um, through my son's experience and what he was sharing with us.
0: I love, I love, love, love your description um, of the path through the Naval Academy is an epic journey. And, mm-hmm. I, and I agree. You've got our midshipmen who are the heroes. They're overcoming all these difficult obstacles. They, they say iron sh- sharpens iron. They, mm-hmm. they are um, honing their mental acuity, their leadership skills. And it all comes, I guess, to a climax in, in commissioning. But then the real journey begins when they join yes. the fleet.
1: You don't know that when you first start uh, the Absolutely. journey. You don't realize that. And that is a very good point. That is kind of the difference between the, the midshipman experience and the parental experience. We get the fun, exciting, glossy, uh, beautiful, traditional parade type experience while our kids are doing the hard work behind, behind the scenes. So I think right. when we go to commissioning, we're getting all the excitement And they are saying it's time for me to go (laughs) so they know they're leaving a special place and special people i know it's still a wrench it's bittersweet but we say oh we're giving up our yard card and our midshipman store card and
0: and all this fun is over absolutely i i agree with you completely i love that insight yeah it's true you're not you're not aware and as parents i think we focus so much on our kids and the Naval Academy that I remember having to remind myself that I had other kids. Yes. Uh, We get so immersed. And then at one point, I remember one of my kids saying, mom, I think you bleed blue and gold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Intend to have a little, I hate to use the word shrine, but little shrines built in blue and gold. It's so exciting to watch somebody pursue a dream. And, and that's what makes fiction so exciting is watching the the journey unfold, the quest, Um, but it's Mm -hmm. mesmerizing and inspiring, and since good literature is all about mesmerizing and inspiring and epic journeys, um, that's really where Chester Midshipmouse came about, but then there was another part of that story. I don't know if you recall getting the letter home uh, before I-Day and instructing parents that when they sent snacks to their plebe to please have them enclosed in plastic boxes.
0: Do you remember that letter? I do, I do. I very much do. And I encourage parents that I met along the way to do the same. <laughs> yes.
1: And, but the reason just made me laugh when I first read it because, why? Because there are mice in Bancroft Hall, that beautiful 150-year-old Art style hugest dormitory in the world, is also home to mice. I just laughed when I first read that. But then our kids started coming home with these over-the-top stories of mice being walked on dental floss leashes and and <laughs> sent out the window with parachutes from napkins from King Hall. And um, they were going to jump school and dive school. And and then our our younger son, poor kid, he knew I was writing the book at that point and in his second class year, he called me on the phone and said, well, thanks a lot, mom. I think I took Chester to class in my backpack and thanks to you, I can't kill him. All I could say was, well, what does
0: he look like? Take a picture or send it to me. So funny, I remember my, my daughter during her candidate visit weekend, she had requested to be in fourth company and they assigned her to fourth company where her older brother, Uh, was the brother's quarters across the hall so she could literally sit on a little cot and look into her brother's room and see him and his roommates and they're all running around and so that night she laid down to sleep and she heard a scurrying and realized that there was a mouse running around the room I asked her well didn't jump out of your bed he's like mom i mean what am i gonna do <laughs> if i go there they're gonna be there so i'm gonna have to get used to them and we happen to have three mice and even my dad would tell stories would tell us stories about the mice so they're long long time residents of Bangkok yes they
1: are they are all related and i share that in the first book they go back they go way back 150 years when the first stones were put down in Bancroft Hall, the mice were there. And uh, I love to see the faces of uh, graduates and some of my book signings, um, it's been during reunion weekends and the graduates and their families will come up to my table and say, well, what is this about? What is this book? And I explain to them and, and they may be looking kind of quizzical. And then I say, do you remember the mice in Bancroft Hall? And they just start laughing. They just start laughing. It's the connection immediately. Oh yes, we do.
0: I'm thinking about your writing journey and being a USNA mom of two midshipmen and writing this wonderful book that makes this magical world come alive in Chester Mouse. what has been your most memorable journey as a USNA mom and an author writing this book hmm.
1: well those are that actually i would say two different things i think true Uh, As a mom, it was just watching our sons accept the challenge, stepping up to the task, um, their willingness to serve their country. Um, We watched them approach I-Day with humor and vigor and not knowing what lay ahead. And then we watched the whole of Plebe summer unfold. Um, We have a sense of pride in their accomplishments because it was not easy. Uh, We admired their drive and spirit, overcoming challenges, facing difficulties and defeats and pushing through the pain. They had many, many highs and lows, and Mm. that is the Naval Academy experience, as as we know. I just overwhelming pride for them and all the midshipmen for what they are willing to undertake and do that most 18 year olds are not doing at that age and being willing to stick it out for something that's bigger than themselves. And that was a concept I had to uh, really come to understand that this is something bigger than themselves and they are links in in a very long chain and their job is to be a strong link.
0: Yes, that's so true.
1: As an author, um, it's a little bit different. I mean, the most memorable things as an author was that um, learning how my books have affected others. Um, One mom wrote to me after um, the first book was out that said that her son's squad mates from Plebe Summer could have been the characters from the book. She could identify every single one of those mice in Chester's squad as being her son's squad mates. Um, a plebe once told me that she keeps the book on her bedside table. There was a mom who dragged her 10-year-old daughter to see me at a book signing in the Midshipman store. It was second-class parents' weekend uh, for her son, and they saw the sign on the door that said, uh, book signing for Chester Mouse." They'd never heard of it. Her daughter, for two weeks, had been telling stories about the mice that live behind the walls. And she had called them Midship mouse, Mice too, and named her main character Chesapeake. And oh. so they found out that someone had actually written a book. They were so excited. And we were just so thrilled to talk with each other, this 10-year-old and I, comparing stories. And, um, and it also confirmed to me that and I felt this breathing down my neck as I was writing the story. Why hasn't anybody else thought of this? To me, it was a no-brainer. Mice behind the walls, living parallel lives to the humans, wearing uniforms, doing the same um, training and going the same victories and defeats. Why hadn't anyone else thought of it? And if they were, were they writing it right now? And it just made me really feel like I was racing against time to get that book out. Another woman shared with me that her daughter teaches children with uh, learning difficulties and she had a class of all ages, uh, a reading group, and she <laughs> was having trouble um, engaging their interest and she started reading Chester Midship Mouse with them and had the collective interest of the whole group and in fact was going to give them each a copy of the book uh, at the end of the school year because it was the one thing that had really pulled them in. And it's things like that. They consider Chester a friend. I, we consider Chester mm-hmm. a friend in our family. He's very real. and um, But other people do too. They refer to him as Chester. And mm-hmm. uh, I've had people send me pictures of mice in Bancroft Hall or just anything mm-hmm. having to do with the, the uh, midshipman, midship mouse experience and refer to Chester um, as he and now. And alive which he is
0: <laughs> yeah he is and that is so that is that's probably one of the most rewarding things as an author is mm-hmm. is when your work just comes alive and some yes. of its own. Yeah. and I think Chester has done that so beautifully. I love the language that you use in there too it's so richly descriptive in such oh. a special and in particular way. I know that sometimes I sat down to write And I would look at my notes and sometimes I would just be able to write the whole chapter out. And then there were other times when I would look at my journal and it says if I were reading another language and I would come to a dead standstill and I hadn't, I knew it was in, in my head but I just could not get it down on the paper into words. Mm -hmm. So writing can be difficult and it can be challenging. What has been one of those writer's block moments for you and, and how were you able to overcome that moment? I think the hardest moment
1: for me was figuring out how and where to start the first book. I had this grandiose idea in my head of what it was, and I had all these stories written down and, and rattling around in my head. Uh, I said one time it was like a great big cement mixer full of these stories I had been entrusted with, and I truly felt like a guardian of these stories. I had to protect them and and treasure them. It became clear very quickly that there was too much story to tell in one book, which I'm pretty sure I thought it was just going to be one book. And once I realized that book one could only encompass Plebe Summer, because that is a story in itself. Once I had that figured out, that was the biggest roadblock for me. This is how I have broken it down. This was the no brainer moment. It's three books. And the first book was uh, I Day Plebe Summer. Uh, The second book is Plebe Year, which is why I called it the second third. And the last book, um, is the final three years. So they're both, the whole experience and it is broken down in intensity in in three sections. I always have it mapped out, um, first book and second book in a general template of what I know is going to happen. It's pretty easy because I know him very well. Uh, I just mm-hmm. have to ask myself, what would Chester do, and I pretty much know. Um, other characters can sometimes be a bit more difficult, but I'll tell you, I've heard of this before, and I didn't understand it till it happened to me, but I do have a character who tells me what he's going to say, and that is Fleet. He is um, just an obnoxious Joe, and he will whisper stuff in my head when I am writing scenes that just make me gasp. And I think you, noxious mouse, and uh, it's just so great because he is um, just himself, and uh, I, I love writing his scenes. They're so easy, and I do that everywhere I, on airplanes. And like you, you—I know you're very busy and you travel a lot.
0: Um, when you can, I spend a lot of time on airplanes with my laptop open. Airplanes so, are—they're very productive space. You know, yeah. you're kind of a captive audience to your work, so. Yes. I found myself writing a lot on airplanes as well or editing um, that too. So, and I'm still not done. And in my case, my book gets updated every year because things at the Academy change every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as a guide for parents, then uh, I feel like it, it has to be most current or as current as possible. And which is one of the reasons why I self-published. So I think you self-published as well. Did you not your first book?
1: I did. Um, I actually had a literary agent, and she was very excited about the book. I was very fortunate to uh, acquire an agent, and she uh, did pitch it um, to the big houses and things, and the answer that kept coming back was that it was, they considered it a niche book because it was... um, Tailored to the Naval Academy, I I thought of it as a broader book as with a mouse hero, but right. that was their feeling. So after a year, she finally said, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And she said, I don't think they know what they're missing, which was very
0: kind of her. But uh, I did end up. Uh, I agree with her, though. I do agree with her. Thank you. I, I think they really missed the mark because it's a book that can be for any audience. As the uh, teacher that uh, wrote you the the note saying that it really engaged your students.
1: But you know, I think the thing that I, I'm really grateful um, for it for going the self publishing, um, independent publishing route because I didn't think so at first. I called it my plebe summer. It was mm-hmm. a huge learning curve. If I ha- if I hadn't independently published, I wouldn't have been able to choose my own um, illustrators. And I think that the art would have been what you commonly see today, which is just not my favorite, which is more cartoony type Mm -hmm. um, characters. And I love the more realistic. I so feel that Chester and his band of rodents are real that I want the um, reader to see that as well. So the first um, artist that I engaged did a fabulous job with Chester Midshipmouse and she looked at hundreds and hundreds of photographs um, of the yard and midshipmen and uniforms and um, which I don't believe would have happened with uh, an artist with a publisher yes yeah and yeah. Um, you you know where you are on the yard when you see those her illustrations she was fabulous and um, and then for the second book she had um Arlie Anderson had um, other obligations. She couldn't do the second book. And then I found uh, an incredible artist, Maggie Van de Waal, for the second, third, who has done similar and more with the art. Uh, The books are so visual. That's one of my friends said to me, your books are so visual. And they just beg for those illustrations just to increase the whole, um, you know, use of imagination and everything. So you really get the idea of what those uniforms look like. And they are specific, they are right. And that was something they both worked with me to do to make it uh, true and realistic
0: to the um, midshipman experience. Yeah, that's, that's probably one of the advantages of self-publishing is that you can um, choose your illustrator, you can update your ma- manuscript, mm-hmm. um, where once you're bound by a publishing house that's it. Yes, um, or, they, or they tell you what to do or they may not like a part of your book and take it out or ask you to rewrite it in a way that you may Prefer yeah. uh, not to. So, um, I I am a fan of self publishing. So I'm glad that you were able to start that way because then you set the tone for what was to come. Yes. And what is to come is book number two, and as you explained earlier, book number three. And without telling us any spoilers, mm-hmm. so we know that book one is I Day, book two is Plead Summer. Um, what is? What can you tell us a little bit about book two um, without getting it all away? Uh, because I'm so excited, I've not gotten it yet, but I am so excited to read it. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, I wish I could tell
1: spoilers because I I just, I really had fun (laughs) writing this book. I just tucked in so many little insider stories Uh, insider um, things that people at USNA would know. Um, I tucked in um, favorite characters. I made sure it had a a STEM influence on it because Naval Academy is definitely a STEM school. I threw in Latin speaking characters because they have a language requirement as mice and they use the old language. And that becomes actually a very important um, thread in the book uh, is um, the I mean, I can't say any more about that. But in any case, case, we go from plebe summer to plebe year. And and that's really like going from black and white to color because plebe summer is so stripped down and rigid. And and really, it's the, the midship mice and midshipmen. It's a matter of survival, mental, emotional, physical mm-hmm. survival. And, and mm-hmm. then it was as if it just opened up uh, for the academic year with... A, Color because now the plebes have a little bit more leeway. They are now responsible for their own time and they have to make an amazing amount of responsibilities fit into their uh, short nocturnal hours. And um, it gives more leeway as the author to put more storyline. So there's more storyline, more plot. They are going to classes. You see Chester immediately in Professor Hasselmouse's propulsion class, and he and his lab partner are building a propulsor. And you actually see it in the book. You see the contraption that the mice built, and there are the built-in threats to Chester's endeavors to succeed at the Naval Mouse Academy. Spleen, his sleep summer nemesis, is back to. Uh, he's got it in for Chester. He wants him out. Uh, he's a um, um, angry, derisive upper class mouse. And um, mm-hmm. he thinks Chester doesn't have what it takes to be a midshipman and that, or a midshipman mouse. And that all began in Pleep Summer. And it's so fun to have Spleen awesome. back um, as his nemesis. And then, of course, as happened in book one, there are the conflicts with the humans. The mice are on recon in the uh, midshipmen's, the human midshipmen's rooms. And um, they, Conflict occurs. And all I can say is that an offense is committed. I won't say by who. Um, and Chester has a moral dilemma. Um, First of all, before I forget, yeah. where can we order the second book? All the books are available on paperback, the usual places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I like bookshop.org, which supports uh, brick and, small brick and mortar um, bookstores. Also available on Kindle. The midshipman store carries First book in color paperback and it carries uh, the second, third, the second book in paperback, black and white illustrations and in the hardback uh, deluxe hardback version, which has the color illustrations. So the second book is the only book in hardback. That was a last minute
0: decision and it was a good decision. It's beautiful. I'm glad that you have a a hardback book. Yes, Um, it is beautiful. I can see. Yes, I can imagine uh, those illustrations coming to life in that a question that just occurred to me and I'm trying to think back because I read this book we met at in was it 2019 and I got the book then you were kind enough to to sign it for me and and give me we kind of swap books yes we did I read it back then I'm trying to remember where did the name Chester come from is that Uh, something special to you
1: yeah um well you're making me think of two things at once here, but the great. name Chester came. I asked uh, our son Brian, as I was formulating the idea for the book, what would be a great name for the character, and he immediately, without missing a beat, said Chester. Chester. And I just said, Bingo, that's it. And it <laughs> is Chester. Chester Nimitz is who right. is named after. Right. And okay. Chester's grandfather, who was a very wise sage character in the book and is um, his mentor, um, is grandfather Nimitz, or old Nim, as some okay. of his classmates call him. He's a uh, retired Rear Admiral in the okay. um, that,
0: that makes complete sense. sense, I think that's wonderful. And I, I'm glad that he had it ready to go at the tip of his tongue. Yes. <laughs> um, and,
1: and you had asked me before, actually, um, If any of the characters were based on any specific people. And so definitely, yes. Um, And I will say before I I say who some some of them are, is that I have actually approached those people who I have based characters on and received their permission to to use their stories and to base the character on them. So if anybody thinks that one of the characters is them and I haven't spoken to you, it's not you.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> so Chester- I'm sure a lot of people can relate to them and yeah. it would sound like it's them, but it, but they're people that you personally know that have, you have spoken with them. So. Yes, absolutely.
1: So, and just because I think it, if you read the introduction to the book, the acknowledgements, Chester is based on our son Brian and um, be wise the human, the long-suffering human in the rooms below is based on our son Ben and the lines have blurred here and there and their characters their characters have grown to um, be them more themselves in many ways but they do share a lot of the stories that our kids have uh, told us and um, and Brian's, Roommates. They were called the last bastion of hope uh, during um, plebe summer by one of their detailers and they were uh, just an incredible trio to watch over four years. Their loyalty to each other, their friendship, their mutual support was so beautiful. And so I honor them in the story by uh, basing Chester's, Nestmates, Dilly, and Ranger
0: on Brian's roommates. That's wonderful. That's why, and I I can so relate because to this day, so my dad is class of 59. And uh, he still keeps in touch with his roommates. Mm -hmm. Uh, They still kid each other. Um, When they can, they still visit each other. And I think what touched my heart the most and, and kind of illustrated for me in a very real way the type of friendship, lifelong and deep friendships that are developed at the Naval Academy because of the common experience, I think, but also just the bonds that are formed. My daughter is in the aviation community and one of my father's roommates who had um, no one to give this to called my dad and uh, told him that he wanted to give his aviator wings from Vietnam to my daughter. Mm. Um, And that just warmed my heart in such a huge way because it it just shows the bonds that are formed, the deep, deep friendships that last a lifetime because they're now in their 80s. Oh my goodness. um, So look how long that has lasted. Absolutely. And you could
1: tell the same story that that there is something that occurs when you undergo huge challenges together. And that's why I call... um, Chester's um, nest mates and squad mates, his band of rodents, to the takeoff yeah. on the band of brothers, because yeah. they are. They have gone through so much together. It creates a bond that can't and
0: shouldn't be broken. And I'm so thankful that that comes across in your mm-hmm. books. I think it's just such a worthwhile experience to read them, especially for graduates or current midshipmen and pleads and for their families to get. Like a real life but imaginary sense of the whole journey and the relationships, yes. the difficulties that are overcome, and I just love that about your book. Thank books. you. Oh, you're most welcome. You're a very gifted author. To kind of wrap things up, what advice, having gone through women'schism uh, and being uh, having written this book in in this about this journey in in such an imaginative. Uh, yet realistic way that really reflects the real journey. What advice would you give to new and existing parents that are at USNA right now? Well,
1: first of all, Annie, I would say that they need to get your book. And I mean that I wish you had written that book when I needed it, when my first child went through the I day and everything, because we were just, I I wasn't on listserv, which was the thing back then, or Facebook, I wasn't on Facebook till pretty recently, Um, I didn't I didn't get any of those great hints and advice so it was just like going blindly through so I would definitely recommend people get your book a USNA mom's journal because it is fabulous and uh, truthfully I look at it and I read it and I think well why didn't I know that but um, I would also say to parents uh, strap on your seatbelts and get ready for the ride because it is a ride (laughs) it's a roller coaster. And it passes so quickly, uh, I would just say expect tears of joy and amazing moments that will swell your heart with pride and admiration for every midshipman. You, This is a family and you feel it. You feel the joys, you feel the pain for other people's children. Expect hurdles and challenges. Be there for your son or daughter as a listening ear. Uh, I would say offer advice mm-hmm. when asked for, but otherwise yeah. stay Back and support and keep your mouth shut. Um, I remember the shock on I-Day when we went from being hands-on parents to hands-off parents. We had been so much mm-hmm. a part of the process working up towards selection. And now we were in radio silence. Oh. And the USNA had, um, US Navy had taken over the training of our sons. And I would say for the most part, trust it. Trust that your child has the wherewithal to do this thing. They got there. Trust the process and enjoy it. I would say visit, spend time in Annapolis, attend football games, watch noon formations, take your mid out to dinner and spend a weekend in a hotel so they can decompress, be their greatest cheerleader, hide Mm -hmm. your own anxiety, uh, express your pride in their victories, tell them they can do it because they can. They can. Trust that even if the dream doesn't go the way they thought it would, everyone ends up, as Chester says, where they are meant to be. Because we all know that um, Semper Gumby, as we say, and that uh, life happens, it doesn't always go the way you plan. Um, I would say join a USNA Facebook group to have a a group of peers. Um, There's a wealth of information there and just a a personal favorite of mine I would say um that you must spend time in the chapel you must hear the glee club um, and chorus sing eternal father because to me that is just the uh overwhelming swell of um what it is to be a midshipman encompassed
0: in those words That is wonderful advice and very heartfelt. Thank you so much. And I agree about the chapel and uh, Eternal Father. The words of Eternal Father are Mm -hmm. just so meaningful. They are. They are. Very, very emotional too. Very much so. Uh, I was actually amazed that um, Eternal Father was part of Prince Philip's funeral not too long ago. I I noticed that 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 tied to naval services around the world as well also look out for book signings now that things are starting to get back to normal you may see Susan and get to meet her in person on campus or in Annapolis uh, so that you can meet her and talk to her in person and she can sign your book and that's a great experience as well and I'll turn it over to you and if you want to wrap up and I just want to thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it I've enjoyed uh, this conversation with you so much, and I hope that our audience was able to learn uh, a little bit more about Chester Midshipmouse, Mouse, what what was behind it, and to meet you as well. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Well, it really has been a pleasure talking with you. We, I think, we get to talk about once every year or year and a half or something. So this has been a <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think I just want to reiterate the fact that um, the books are in the Midshipman store, and, and the reason is because they have been so great and so supportive, and, and also because the proceeds from the sales of those books go directly to the brigade, which is a great thing, and that's what we want. That is, my whole point in writing these books was to support the Brigade of Midshipmen and as a love letter to them, Midshipmen past, present, and future. And that's another reason why, and I did want to mention this, that I did not um, make a Facebook, an author Facebook page with my name or a website with my name. It's Chester Midship Mouse because it's not about me, it's about them. So um, it's about the Mids and it's not my story, it's theirs. And that is um, If with any information about the books. But above all, I, I guess I would just like to end by saying to parents and family members of uh, new incoming midshipmen and those that are um, at USNA right now is just to savor every moment. The four years by the bay go by in a blink. And soon your midshipman is going to be an officer in the fleet or the Corps. And then you're going to discover that as a parent, you are being prepared for the next stage of their journey. And that's really it
0: in a nutshell.
1: Thank Thank you so so much, Susan. Those are very wise
0: words. Oh, you're most welcome. I hope we get to do this again, maybe when book number three comes out, or maybe even before that. (laughs) Okay, thanks so much. Thank you to Susan, and I hope that you all enjoyed this installment of the podcast, and hope to see you next time.